Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our guest host on this program is Pastor Jared Baldwin, the executive pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. Every week, we spend these 25 minutes together telling you the stories of our church, interviewing our members and other friends of the ministry. We'd like to invite you to join us at Harvest Baptist Church this week. We have two services on Sunday, 8.45 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. We're offering Spanish translation during the 8.45 a.m. service, and we have Japanese and Korean translation at the 10.45 a.m. service, and that's also when we live stream at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, missionary Brian Leonards is back and speaking in our Sunday morning services. Let's begin today's harvest time by welcoming Pastor Jared Baldwin. Hi, Pastor Jared. Half a day, Chris. Thanks for hosting us up here at KHMG today. And uh, a familiar environment. I really enjoy coming up here. I was looking back. We've You and I have got to record three of these in the last few weeks since Pastor Gary's been off island. It's a great opportunity. It feels like the old days, doesn't it? It does. It does. It's it's bringing me back, bringing me back. So, But I have the privilege today to interview Michael and Rebecca Berman, um, members of Harvest Baptist Church, and uh, they've had a little bit of a week. I mean, you guys, tell us a little bit about, you said you just got back on island and then you had your little guy in the hospital. Tell us a little bit about what your week's been like. I just got back from uh, Korea Sunday night about 12 o'clock, 12 a.m., and then... Uh, Rebecca took uh, little Samuel over to Navy Hospital because he was having breathing problems at about 6 or 7 a.m. So it's been a uh, get off the plane, get the bags, and then rock and roll back at the house. So uh, hopefully the rest of this week slows down a little bit and we can let Sam have a, have a little room to rest and uh, settle down and breathe. Yeah, so at, at the same time we're doing this this interview, Rebecca is holding Samuel, who... He sounds much better, apparently, but he still has uh, some some croup there, and so you might hear him in the background a little bit between wrestling his mom and uh, you know trying to escape this uh, this recording studio is all good. But well, tell us a little about uh, Rebecca while we have a quiet moment here. Tell us a little bit about your family, kids, ages, where you guys are from. Let's see, we have three boys: William, Daniel, and Samuel. They're five, three, and one. The younger two were born here on Guam. William was born back in Missouri. Um, originally, I'm from Georgia. And I can hear that. The radio audience can definitely hear that. Uh, you wouldn't believe I didn't lose it. Um, <laughs> I moved to Washington State when I was 12. Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah. And uh, graduated high school there and then joined the Air Force out of there. Okay. And you were active duty up until just a few years ago. Um, I got off active duty in 2015, okay. and then I did a year in the reserves. So got I got it. out of that in got 2016. It. Okay. All right. And then, Michael, tell us a little bit about your career. How long have you been in, and what do you do in the Air Force? Um, so I've been in about, this summer I'll be 15 years. Um, I do uh, civil engineering, so uh, the carpentry, welding, locksmithing. Um, currently what I do is uh, I'm an instructor. For uh, expeditionary civil engineering, so um, anything that's base repair, runway repair, or building from scratch, um, instruct people um, from 
all all branches of service or any of our uh, partner nations. So yeah. any any other countries in the Pacific area. Oh, that's great. That's great. Does that require you to go TDY often? Yes, I go TDY a lot. Okay. All right. When I was active duty in the Air Force, uh, I had orders to go to Yakota and be on a Red Horse team, I think they called it at the mm-hmm. time. And uh, one of my classmates had orders to go to this boring place called Masawa, Japan. And I heard that it was, he was like, oh, it's snowy up there and you never go TDY anywhere and it's so boring. Well, I wanted to get married and I said, hey, I'll trade you orders. And it was the best trade I ever made. So I went to Misawa and had three wonderful years on Security Hill in Misawa. And he went and joined the Red Horse team and he was gone all the time. Now he was a young single guy, he didn't care. But for me, it was a good trade. So, But I had a lot of friends that were civil engineering guys that have done a lot of what you're talking about you do and so uh being an instructor so how did you become an instructor in that um so actually coming coming to guam i was actually hired into the red horse side of the squadron so i uh ran the shop there so i had about 25 guys um and our their job was to train and then deploy and go do projects um so i was actually out on a project um a couple years back uh, in Timor-Leste, a little uh, north of uh, Australia. And some of the leadership called me and said, hey, do you want to, when you come back, do you want to still run the shop or do you want to be an instructor? So in my head, uh, I said, hey, I get to have one troop, less less, uh, headaches at work, and I get to do something I enjoy, which is teaching. Um, So Luckily, the Lord let, let that all fall into place, and uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed the last two years of doing uh, instructor instructor gig. Sure. Yep. Do you think someday, uh, post-military, Lord willing, you might have some teaching in your future? Yes. Yeah. I can, I can hear it in your voice. Some people just really enjoy. I just came from teaching at a college, and there were certain aspects of it I really enjoyed, the student interaction and stuff like that, but... Um, there were some aspects of teaching I, I don't really, you know, grading, stuff like that, you know. So now, uh, Rebecca, you also, uh, you finished when you got out of the Air Force, you used your GI Bill and finished a degree. What was that in? Uh, accounting. You, so you have your master's in accounting? I do. So um, that's a career I never could see myself doing. I have a hard time even balancing my checkbook or, you know, I joke with kids sitting down in front of the coffee shop. I'll see them studying like calculus or something, and I'll say, "You know, you never need that as an adult." Now, I'm I'm just kidding. Of course, they they do need it. But uh, why did you go on and study accounting? I just have always liked working with numbers, working with money. Yeah. Just get lost in the numbers sometimes. Well, that's good. I'm sure that's good for you, Michael, to have a wife that uh, takes care of that side of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Some people get carried away in numbers, but it's just all in spending it or, you know, so it's good to have a family that's more lost in the numbers of accounting for it, at least. So excellent. Well, let let me move on to, I want to hear a little bit about uh, how your guys' life got started, just briefly, how you met, and and then also when you guys became Christians. So either one of you can start with that. Well, I grew up in a Christian home. I even asked my parents if there was anything interesting about our family, about how people got saved, and it's just a long history of believers, which mm-hmm. I guess is interesting in itself. We have absolutely family going back to um, settling America that came over on the Mayflower as wow. Puritans, and wow, 
Um, and then that's on my dad's side uh, from Long Island. And then my mom down in Georgia, there's a long history there. They're currently going to a church that was founded back in the 1700s. Wow. Um, by her family. So there's wow. Yeah, grandparents there um, on her side who were buried in the graveyard oh. on the church grounds. So I think people have a hard time. Uh, I'm from the Midwest, and so our history in Missouri, for example, in Kansas City, doesn't go back pre-Civil War. There's not a lot of that historic. You know, it didn't become a state until much later. But we lived on the East Coast for a while, and you could go to churches. You could see. Uh, in cemeteries, you know, gravestones that go back to the 1600s, 1700s and things. So I think it's really neat to have that heritage. So you became a Christian as a child. I grew up in church and Sunday school, um, always knew about the Lord. But um, there was one day, it was, I think it was in between fourth and fifth grade, I was at a summer camp at uh, the private school I was going to at the time. And the guy speaking was like, you really need to have a relationship with Jesus. And mm. I what? Mm. Like, what is that? I don't have that. I need. Yeah. I need this. Um, so then, that started uh, my serious walk and uh, really getting saved. Um, so, how old was I then? Maybe ten. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's great. I think that's a encouragement to those that are serving in like children's ministries, for example, because sometimes it's a it's a labor of love. It's you're you're sometimes volunteering to to be away from where all the adults are in in the service uh our children's pastor wade just preached this last sunday but it's such an important thing because kids they need to hear the gospel and be able to respond to it so that's awesome well what about you michael so i uh similar similar background i uh grew up in virginia um was always um always at church uh a little bit different of a of a church upbringing um it wasn't uh wasn't really a denominational church, but um, uh, we were always there. Uh, my, I got to watch my dad be kind of one of the le- the lead lead brothers um, of the assembly. Um, so about the same time frame, um, about fifth grade, um, after a after a Friday night meeting, that's when all the the church was broken up into seven different groups, and they would do their Bible studies, and it was on a Friday night, so we called it Friday night meeting. Mm-hmm real real original but uh that's what we always look forward to um was being able to see our friends and everything but what they were talking about was hey you need to be saved and have that relationship um so afterwards i talked to my dad and then uh what what would happen is you know then he would bring it up at the at the brothers meeting of all the men and you know he said hey michael you know wanted to um, express some uh, interest in uh, being saved and asking the Lord into his heart. So we sat on a Saturday the uh, the next week and uh, chatted with a couple other dads. I said, yeah, I think he's he's not just dab- dabbling around, but he's actually being sincere. So um, I got saved young and then uh, was always always in uh, – in church, in the ministry, um, I decided to get baptized actually after a summer youth camp um, about uh, sophomore year in high school uh, that summer. Um, I still remember what they talked about. Um, they were talking about the Jordan River and how uh, the analogy was you can't have your feet on both sides of the Jordan River, right? And that just uh, clicked in my head. 
saying, hey, I've been trying to straddle the Jordan River and I can't. So um, I'd like to be baptized and uh, really show that, hey, I want my life to be for the Lord. So then I, I was able to be uh, baptized at church um, after the service on the, on one of the Sundays, uh, sophomore year, but right right before uh, junior year of, of high school. Um, and then that's been that's been it really really ever since um just been walking with the lord sometimes i feel like my testimony isn't uh as grand as some others you know because i I didn't have that big shock and awe turn moment but um myself and rebecca always you know come back to saying hey it saved us from a lot of other absolutely other stuff that's a lot to be grateful for because you don't have to you know, you don't have the unshackled testimony. We have a radio program con- called Unshackled with these dramatic testimonies. But really, every every time someone gets saved, the angels are rejoicing. And God spared you from a lot of headaches and heartaches, I think, because of saving you as a, as a kid and having that Christian upbringing. So you guys... Uh, Give me the give me the short version of how you guys ended up getting together because you're both active duty Air Force, young you know in your twenties. How did you meet? Well, um, we were both in the Civil Engineering Squadron up in Montana, and what would you say like 300 people in that unit, maybe 10 females. So everybody knew who you were, and I'd like to think that it was my reputation that attracted him. <laughs> you know, I was, I didn't sure. do anything that people in the military tend to get themselves into sometimes, and he saw me and started asking um, some of my coworkers who I was, and I like to say that he actually got ordered to talk to me. He was <laughs> <laughs> a little nervous to approach me, and then finally this... Um, they were joking, but this major was like, yeah, that's an order. He needs to go talk to Herman nice. Chase. Nice. Um, and we just hit it off. We started talking and realized that we had the same upbringing. We both grew up in church, similar family background. And um, I thought that would be a rare find in the military. Um, so it's the rest is history, I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, that so that's your side of the story, uh, Michael. What about yours? So I, uh, we had just done a promotion ceremony um, for one of the younger lieutenants. Um, he was putting on first lieutenant, and uh, he was up there playing ping pong with some of the other guys up on the balcony. And I saw this big fifth wheel trailer getting backed in to the to the response bay, and uh, out pops, you know. Rebecca, you know, young, young Airman Chase is, is, was her last name before I was able to start dating her and then marry her. And uh, I was up there and I was, I said, man, who's that? You know, and they said, that's the girl we've been telling you you should go talk to. But obviously I was nervous, right? So they, they did their whole joking around thing and said, hey, we think you should go talk to her. And then obviously someone said, hey, I think that's an order. It came from an officer. So <laughs> it was a joke, but... I walked myself downstairs, and they all they all bent over the the balcony railing. So, watched her back this fifth wheel in, and then she got out of the truck and looked at me and smiled. And said, "Do you want to go talk somewhere else?" And I said, "Yes, absolutely." <laughs> so, <laughs> and it was all history. After that was that. that was Friday at three o'clock, and then we met for dinner. Uh, 
went back to our dorm rooms, got cleaned up, and went out for dinner on a Friday, and then been hanging out ever since. So. That's great. That's great. And how many years has that been now? Twelve. Twelve years. Yeah. Twelve years. Wow. When's what day is your anniversary? October 9th. Yep. There you go. All right. I, I looked at Rebecca just in case because uh, it's yeah. my phone password. Okay. There you so go. So I don't, <laughs> okay. don't forget it. <laughs> Good. If someone finds Michael's phone, you know now how to get onto it. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's transition here in this last couple minutes. Um, you guys have, I mean, you're both, you were active duty, Rebecca. You guys now are a military family. You've been stationed abroad. You've had TDYs. You've had, you know, three kids born in military hospitals. I mean, you're, or, or at least two. Um, was your first child also born at Whiteman's or? No, or he was born at an off base hospital. Okay. okay, so two. But you, you've you've kind of had the full spectrum of everything that a military family will go through. Uh, sounds like. And you still got more to come. You still have a couple more years in, uh, Lord willing, before you retire. You've probably interacted with some families that have had great success, and you've probably also seen the predictable hard times that that military families go through. What would you say are some of the biggest needs for uh, especially young families in the military? I think they just need a a family away from their family. I'd say um, we both started out single in the dorms. I spent three years in the dorms as a single airman and uh, Montana can get lonely. It's cold. You can't go outside for most of the year if it's blowing snow sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got grounded in local churches and families there adopted us, mm-hmm. adopted me. Um, he was, Before I met him, he had his own church family and they adopted him. Um, even in Missouri, uh, we were adopted by local families. So I think that's a that's a huge need here with um, the big military population here and getting ready to get bigger. Sure. Um, just need a space to fit in. I, I would say shout out to Brian and Amy Leonard's. They were some of the first uh, people we met here and they just pulled us into the young families and we hit it off with some people and, awesome. you know, been going to harvest ever since. That's great. That's great. And Michael, even on TDYs, what would you say, families military families that are experiencing tdys what what do they need um so you know i will i will definitely take this as a as a shout out to all the uh the wives or husbands of a service member that are that are holding down the house um they they do it as a single parent um instead of having their spouse with them but um just if you're if you're plugged in uh to uh to a fellowship group or a, a community group at church they already know if i'm going tdy you know so um brian and amy or uh pastor wade they already know i'm going to be out of town for the week so if rebecca needs help um there's already a text message that goes out sure you know it says hey are you doing good when you know when michael's out or anything but uh just just kind of reaching out here on guam um i would say the military we kind of stick out a little bit um Mm -hmm. But it's still worth uh, just going up, shaking a hand, and saying, hey, you know, um, introducing ourselves, especially being in a little longer at this point in our careers, um, saying, hey, if you have questions, um, 
feel free to ask us, you know, just extending a hand, they, it'll, it'll go a long, long, long way and just making them feel welcome that they have uh, something outside of the uh, military association that they can, they can get help with or sure. uh, have a sense of belonging. Sure. Well, and I, I know that sometimes uh, with the best of intentions, people might misunderstand when a military family comes around, like moves into their village, uh, uh, visits the church, sits in the pew next to them, that they're just kind of independent. They're used to moving around and they're, they might not be looking for, you know, to put down roots or whatever. But uh, what you're talk both of you are talking about, I think is so critical that we shouldn't make assumptions that everything's cool, that they've got it all under control. I'm sure they're fine. There's some kind of base services that cover all those needs that really that church family, that home away from home can be the difference maker. Um, and, and to have church members that are uh, able to step in uh, when there are needs and care for one another, that's really what the church is all about. And so having military folks here at our ministry it, as part of our body, I think enriches our body and helps us to know, hey, you know, God has us have unique ministries. And sometimes that ministry is reaching out to a military person or a military family. So, well, guys, as we wrap it up, um, just wanted to first off, thank you for your service, both of you, but also thanks for coming up here. We got, of course, as people are listening, they're hearing little Sam here who's really suffering with croup and he's how old is sam by the way 13 months 13 months and he he i think he's gonna be a future radio broadcaster he loves the studio so much so but it's been fun to have you guys up here and and i really appreciate it you've i think you laid out a really good case for engaging folks as they come in the door like you said Michael, military folks stand out a little bit, right? They walk in, you kind of pretty much guess, oh, th this must be a military family, or this must be a an airman, or a sailor, or a soldier, or a marine. Um, as a church, we can intentionally reach out and try and be a blessing to you guys. So we appreciate you guys coming up here today. So thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity to uh, to chat. Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. Of course, at this point in the program, we always want to personally invite you again to services this week at Harvest Baptist Church. There are two, one at 8.45 a.m., the other at 10.45 a.m. We have Spanish translation at 8.45, Japanese and Korean translation at 10.45, and we bring you that service live, the 10.45 a.m. service, I should say, uh, here on 88.1 FM and on khmg.org. We do hope to see you this Sunday. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.